0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to the latest Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Markar. Now, I should be joined right now as I speak by a Rachel Downey. However, sadly, on the day that I'm recording this, we have had a bit of snow in the UK, which has brought everything to a grinding halt. So it means that Rachel has been unable to join me for this week's episode, which is very sad. However, I am joined by somebody else. And that somebody else, as you've probably seen from the title, is... Chef and car enthusiast, James Martin. Now, James joins us today. Predominantly, he was booked in to talk about his book, but as you're about to hear from this conversation, I basically sidetracked that entirely and talked about James's car collection because, of course, it is fantastic. But we do, of course, delve into his career and what's got him to where he is and what's got him to buy some of the amazing cars that he has. And we even managed to promote a book, all within the space of an hour. So, uh, yeah. It's a good one. It is a good one. Obviously, I would have loved to talk to James for a lot longer than we had, more than the hour. Uh, However, he is a busy man. I understand uh, on the day we're recording, he's probably talking to about 35 or 40 other people as well. So very, very lucky to have had this opportunity. This, of course, isn't the first time that James has appeared on our podcast. He has previously been on. Uh, He was interviewed by Andy a year or so ago. Uh, But it was great to have James back to have a recap on that car collection and just hear those some um, some of his amazing stories in a slightly different light as well so that's going to be it from me i'm going to shut up for the intro i will dive straight into the conversation now with james martin talking about his new book potato and i'll speak to you again right at the end the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital james martin hello good morning how are you
1: good morning very good very good well yeah recovering but um just had knee operation, but yeah, recovering, hobbling around.
0: Yeah, I've heard he about doing? this. I've heard about it. Was it quite yeah. intensive?
1: Uh, yeah, I did, both meniscus have gone. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, anybody that's done that, and it's, I've never done it before. I think it's a, it's subject of getting old. Um, oh. And I actually did it getting out of a car. The surgeon went, you're getting too old and you need to get, you need to get a, a higher up car. So you, you, yes, yes. So um, anyway, it's on the road to recovery, but
0: I love that. So the surgeon, I'm assuming, not a massive petrol head, perhaps not aware of the uh, <laughs> the collection of no, cars definitely. that you like driving.
1: Yeah, no, definitely a petrol head. I've seen him at Goodwood a few times. Oh, and, cool. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely a petrol head. But it's just said he said it's the nature of you getting old. Um, and when I asked him how, is nothing. You know, everybody thinks you know you're, you're going to do something like that, skiing or adrenaline sports. I did it getting out of a car. <laughs> um, I think that's that's how I tore one bit, and I sort of lived with it for two months, and then. My whole knee gave away, and I thought, no, I can't cover this anymore. So, anyway, in to get it done, but yeah, he's done a good job. So he's, made it, he's fixed it. He's fixed it.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Good news. Um, now, obviously, there's a lot to to talk about today with you, predominantly. I want to focus on cars, if that's okay. Obviously, we're, we're going to mention... <laughs> it's fine, <right? laughs> You've got a new book out, which I've got here, Potato, and we will talk about yep. that in a bit. But of course, you know, yeah. we, this is the Driven Chat podcast. We talk about cars, we like cars, and we know for a fact that you like cars, so let's talk about yeah. cars. Now, one of the things that I often like to ask our guests is to try and find out the, the journey into cars, how all of this started and where all this came from. And um, I'd like to know, do you have an earliest childhood memory in or around cars
1: I can tell you straight away, there's two, there's two moments of it. Uh, the first moment was at a place... Anybody that knows Scarborough, I, I was... Uh, I, we used to holiday in Scarborough, holiday in Filey and Robin Hood's Bay. Um, we didn't live very far away from there, about 40 miles, but uh, that was our that was our go-to holiday, that and sort of Blackpool, mm-hmm. I suppose. And then um, I remember going to Scarborough. I can't have been any more than four, four years old, five years, four years old. <laughs> and there's a place called Henry Marshalls. Anybody from Scarborough will know about it. It's an arcade uh set up uh and um, i remember there in the middle of summer i'm there with an ice cream with it sort of dripping of, over your hands a big nine with a flake in it and that kind of stuff and holding this ice cream and this this aston martin uh va pulled up and uh, it was a very early one but uh, pulled up outside uh the uh the the arcade place the guy gentleman got out went into the arcade obviously the owner of it i think um and then i sort of peered over the sort of the, the, the passenger side window. As it was down, it was a Caballet thing. And I've peered over and this ice cream's dripping on the seat. And my <laughs> mother shouting at me, about to give me a clip around the ear. <clears throat> this gentleman came out and he said, um, you've got to have a seat in it. So, so there's ice cream all over the seat. And I remember sitting in this car. That was one of the moments. And the other moment is when my first ever job, I can't have been any more than about eight, nine years old, uh, getting a little bit of pocket money. I used to pot wash at, at Castle Howard. Uh-huh. And the, the, the trolley where you take the rubbish was a good sort of a good distance away. It's a massive house, the Castle Howard, big castle. And the, the trolley was through a, a sort of an old, um, rickety old sort of York Yorkstone uh, thing. It used to make an awful lot of noise, right to the end of where the rubbish was, which is quite a distance, you know, a good five, six hundred metres away from where the kitchen was. And I remember loading up the the, the bags of rubbish and just peering through the, the just, just out from this little garage door was open, was a Ferrari, a red nose of a Ferrari. And I sort of just looked around, to see if anybody was there. And I walked up to it, had a look at it. And I just remember, just as a young kid, you're eight years old, and I just remember trying the door and it opened. Wow. And I sat in it, sat in it, <laughs> nobody was there. And I sat in it for, for no more than about 30 seconds and shut the door and then wiped off my hand, fingerprints and then went back in. <laughs> and that was, I suppose, those two moments, really, for me, Those are the those are the two moments that, yeah where it all went wrong after that.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Would you say, I mean, was it a car background growing up? Were, were, were there other people in the family that loved cars? Or were you one of No, first?
1: not at all. No, no. My my father was like the antichrist when he came to cars. He was, it was, um, no, we did, we had no, we were tenant pig farmers. So we, there was no, there was no fancy new car in the garage. Um, we only had one, we had, well, my mum had a car and my dad had a car because purely where we lived, we lived in the middle of nowhere. So... I went to school on a tractor. That kind of stuff. So I I kind of, my dad used to have a a, you know maybe the latest Renault or something like that with work. It wasn't really the latest one, but a Renault. Mm -hmm. Then 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 a Ford Orion, uh, Escorts. (laughs) My mother had a a a a Capri Laser, which are worth a lot of money now. The one point six Capri, white one. Um, And then then sort of I I when I did that sort of. Uh, doing the pot washing sort of scenario i got enough money to buy myself a little car that i could rally around on the farm and i bought myself a little mini on uh well, now it's ebay but it's exchange and mark back then it yeah. used to ring the ring the cars of what your favorite car was when you were getting your license when you were 17 well i was about kind of in any more than 10 when i bought my first ever little Excellent. little 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 mini which i rallied around the fields um, painted flames on the side of it, as usual sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and then sort of, you know, tractors really were my thing. So we had a massive Ferguson 135, if anybody's a farmer. They'll know that that's like the workhorse of mm. back then, the farmers. Um, so I learned to drive when I was eight, 10 years old. Um, you know, I, I remember passing my test after one lesson. I had one driving lesson. Wow. Um, because because most of our kids at school used to be farmers. So you, you, you were... You're you're allowed to drive a tractor at 16, you know. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, it's crazy, but you yeah you were. But it's um, but I that's where I learned sort of the the car element. And and my grandmother bought me a uh, when I went on a holiday, We went to the River Thames on one of these sort of uh, you know you rented a boat for a week on the River Thames. And my granny, there's a there used to be a um, you bring back all my me- memories now. There used to be a there used to be a toy shop on the bridge at Windsor. Mm. and uh my gran treated me for my birthday treated me to a little toy ferrari wow. um and um i've still got it uh but i've still got i've got that and i've got the original car so i've got the real thing
0: would that and, be the um, the um 288 288 wow yeah. that's amazing <laughs> that was, i'd love yeah, to i'd love to think or i'd love to get into the imagination of so what age did you say you were there Nine.
1: I probably, probably a bit older than that, probably maybe 14, 15, 16. I was probably, probably something like that. Okay, yeah. Okay. So that's yeah.
0: quite a good age yeah. for kind of future visions and, and aspirations and yeah, planning. Do you think, was, do you think yeah. there was a moment holding that car even at that age that you thought one day maybe I'll have one? Or was that just a far fetched?
1: Well, <clears throat> well, I think it's, it's everything was far fetched back then, but it was that one day I didn't think I would do it because I knew my chosen career was going to be a chef from the age of 10 years old. So, um looking at that, TV wasn't really around then and bits and pieces. There were certain famous chefs, but you know, the look at the amount of chefs that go into the industry. It's not uh, it's not one where you can look at a Ferrari and think, oh, one day I'll have that. It's never never gonna happen. But yeah. um through sacrifices, hard work and everything else, graft and and luck. Um but you know, in this game, there's very, very few elements of of luck in in the hospitality game. You know, you've got to make your own success in life and, and you get proved every day by what you do. So, you know, it, I've always been, I've always been a grafter. Anybody know that, and all my mates know that I'm a grafter. It's always seven days a week, apart from when your knee goes, but it's, it's <laughs> oh, I've always been a seven days a week chap. Um, but I think that's, so the aspirational came from, yeah, probably peering through the window, really. When I went to London age 17 and I used to work in London at all these Michelin star restaurants and I, I'd finished work and I'd walk past H.R. Owens and you know, Jack Barclays and all these sort of showrooms. And I used to peer through the window, thinking one day, like most kids would do. But yeah. Never, never imagined it. You
0: know. Wow, amazing! So let's talk about then the the current fleet, if that's an easy an easy <laughs> thing to list off, because I know you've you've got quite a few. Um, I've also got on my notes as well that you are currently driving around in an Etron GT. Is it Etron GT RS? Yeah, yeah, RS
1: Etron GT. Yeah, I am. um I put my my team my. My, 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 workforce are all gone electric. They've gone the VW, I3s, and mm-hmm. I4s, um, but the Audi, um, I, I test drove the Porsche and don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic car and, uh, but it's quite hard. And, and mm. um, I, I think that's probably, we've got some 50 this year. So it's a bit, it was a bit, it was a bit rock hard and, and my mates had one and he's had so many tires go, wheels go, where I live. It's not the, it's not the city center. So, mm. you know, potholes are quite bad around here. So. Um, You know, I shattered a BMW wheel last week. Oh, wow. uh, that just that just obliterated in a pothole uh, just down the road. So uh, the Audi, just the best of both worlds, really. It, it is fundamentally a, a take on, I suppose, yeah. but it's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more car-like, if that makes sense. But I love it. Uh, I love it. Use it every week. Absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah, love it.
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I've I've literally just given one back to Audi press office. I had one for a week and. Yeah, I, I think like you, I, I kind of look favorably on the e-tron as a bit more of a car version of an EV. I have this personal <coughs> grumble against EVs that are all turning into blobby SUVs, unnecessarily massive cars. Yeah. But the, there is something about that e-tron. I think it is the smartest looking EV, and yeah, looks like a car, drives like a car. Very happy. I mean, I like, think,
1: I think, I think t- this, you know, Tesla is the, obviously the benchmark, and there's nothing wrong with um, that. But they're quite, they're quite simple in, inside in terms yeah. of what they are. Yeah. um but i think just what audi do is that audi just build nice cars they just 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 build lovely cars and yeah uh, and lovely interiors of it so it's all alcantara it's all and you know everything works and you know i woke up this uh, the other day and you know you can program it on your on your app to sort of heat up the windscreen and get it all it's fantastic they're fantastic bits of kit yeah um you, know, you do get a little bit of mild anxiety with it but then the modern chargers and everything else it's yeah, it's a it's a small price to pay. Is another fifteen minutes waiting for it to charge to for the enjoyment of driving. It. It's great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, there is a lot to be said for many, many, many decades of refinement in making cars versus a tech company that are having a go. Um, yeah, I think yeah. many people agreeing will will uh, well, many people listening will agree with you on that one. So yeah, so Etron GT, so it's so Etron GT RS as well, isn't it? It's the it's the GT RS. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, it's the it's the RS one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> how uh, how quickly did the uh, Naught to 63 second launches get boring or, or are they still uh,
1: i've only done it i've only done it twice to be oh, honest really? with you and I, I and i got just just under just under three seconds it's 2.2.8 something yeah, yeah 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 i did it did it once but and interestingly enough the longer you have it, it and the the warmer it is so so in the summer you actually get probably 20 more miles out of it than you yeah. do in the winter yeah that's uh, it's right. quite it's quite it's quite unusual how the battery system works and but then you learn to drive it properly and you learn to drive it with but you know, I mean, you're just cruising along at sixty mile an hour. It's just it's fantastic, it's yeah. fantastic. Really, really, really impressed. Great stuff. And to me, it's to me it's gonna be the saviour of the the petrol car and, and the the combustion engine, really. It's just that's it's the way it's going. I and think so. So you you embrace it, or you're you're left behind. It's simple as that.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. There's been some interesting research as well. I don't know if you've seen the past week or so. That's uh, some real deep dives into this the the true carbon offset of EVs. Because of course, a lot of people have been jumping out and saying, "Well, you know, the the power is still coming from coal power stations, and the mm. energy made to make these batteries is is hugely extensive. It's it's more carbon heavy building an EV than it is a, a an ICE engine car." Uh, but the research coming out is actually showing that perhaps the gap isn't quite as extreme as people thought. The uh, no, I think if, you know you can look use. at
1: solar, you can look at solar as well. I mean, I've just got a I've just got a motorhome just exchanged my motorhome and and that you know the new technology it's using lithium batteries. Mm. Um, that the batteries last in the last and the old motorhome was at least last two days. These are lasting with the heating on everything and last for fourteen days. With no, with not even you turning the key. (laughs) Plus, you've got uh, solar power on the roof of it as well. So, you've got the added benefit of everything. So, I think, you know, everybody can be critical about it, but it's the way things are going. You've got to look at manufacturers, it's the way they're going as well. Mm -hmm. I think, if anything, the way that the combustion engine is going, we're going to lose the V12s. We're going to go much more like the F1 uh idea where it's you know you know a uh, litre 1.2 litres the power that you can get out of just a small combustion engine that's probably the way that we're going to go
0: absolutely yeah yeah it's always a good indication isn't it if it works in f1 or it works in le mans then chances are it's going to trickle its way down to pretty much and soon we'll all be driving 1.6 litre turbo 1000 horsepower cars that will be (laughs) yeah well i I don't think
1: i'll be around i don't think i'll be around then. enjoy it (laughs) yeah
0: i'll do my best i'll do it for you um so yeah what else have we got on the fleet at the moment um and i know that's a dangerous question because it could we could go off onto multiple different tangents but you can you can go with the highlights <laughs> if you like or i can read through a list of cars that you that i m- might have correct and you can tell me what you've still got and what's uh what's gone perhaps that's the best option so i've got a rather wow. lovely um classic bentley continental is that still on the fleet yes
1: yeah it's still on the fleet yeah about to be added to as well i'm looking at a pre-war one as well oh
0: fantastic. so um
1: yeah i've got a 1988 uh bentley drophead um you know a lovely car black and black just a, a really nice you know four-door just cruising motor it's you know uh, rolls-royce built it similar sort of similar sort of car yeah um, but i just feel the bentley's probably a better car better driver's car certainly yeah. um but it's it, a great bit of kit you know electric windows air conditioning still got the original cd that the owner uh specified from you shirley Bassey playing uh in the disc changer at the back so it's
0: Excellent. it's pretty cool and, it,
1: and it's one that i it's one that my mates and i love to take take out and it's just it's a it's a good car it works it's cruises along yeah. um you know big v big engine but you know you're cruising along at you know at just over 1200 revs it's just it just cruises forever stick shift It's Brilliant bit it kit.
0: Fantastic.
1: And um, the pre-war, pre-war one's slightly different. So the one that I'm looking for is, you know, late 1930s. Um, I'm giving too much away because the price will go up. Uh, but yeah. we're negotiating as we speak. <clears throat> so I've always wanted a pre-war car. Um, uh, my mates have got them as well. And, um, yeah, it's it's really a stepping stone for a for a R-type Continental, which is the one that I really want. Um, mm. But I've got to cook a few more omelets to get one of those. But, <laughs> uh yeah.
0: I'm I'm really glad you have a you have a desire for pre-war because I think that's it's a great test I always find with with what I like to say true petrol heads or true uh, car fans we have to I guess we have to say now because of the world of EVs Uh, but yeah there is something quite special there's a a certain romance to a pre-war car and I've been very lucky in my career I've driven quite a few uh, pre-war Bentleys and there's there is something about it almost indescribable It's, it's a very immersive experience isn't it so yeah. Well it's
1: driving, it's it's driving, it's how it how it always was. And uh, you different is you've got to work for when you when you're driving a pre-war car, you've actually got to work for a living. You've actually yeah. go. You, you, you get the enjoyment, but you've actually got to physically work. So rather than just get in the car and just switch off and just drive, yeah. <laughs> these things these things uh require They acquire attention. To, it's a bit like when you're flying, you can't just get in and fly it. I'm a pilot, but you can't just get in and fly. It's it's that <clears throat> it's almost the bit beforehand is that is the key to it. It's they're looking after it it's you know and doing it starting it in the right order and i've got rally cars which are exactly like that and you fast forward another 80 years but mm. it's a similar sort of experience really but pre-war stuff the invictors the ss 100s jaguars um those ones but the invictor really is, is is proper cool as well and and then of course a few of my mates have got the amazing alfa romeo 8Cs and ac oh, monzas yeah. and they're like, they're like the holy grail really and if, if anybody doesn't really understand pre-war thing just just google one of those and you'll you'll realize what 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 the old pre-war cars are all about
0: absolutely yeah yeah it's it's a difficult one until you've had that experience or even got up close because i think that's another thing even if you don't get the opportunity to drive one just the walk around a pre-war car have a look at what it takes you know talk to the drivers that own them <coughs> and yeah once you find out what goes into it it becomes this this whole new dimension of driving opens up which is quite incredible it's
1: a la- it's a labor of love certainly yeah is.
0: Um Ferrari 275 GTB. Now there's a there's a highlight yeah.
1: car. Yeah, proper car. Um I've owned that car for 20 20 years, 21 years now. Um probably in the collection, that's that's probably the 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 one. I think that everybody <clears throat> when I show people around the collection, they they all go for that one. Yeah. Uh, it looks right, it sounds right, it drives right, and to me, undervalued. It's certainly if you're looking at Two hundred and fifty short bases, that kind of stuff. I think it's better. I've driven a two hundred and fifty short wheelbase. I think it's a better car than two hundred and fifty mm. short wheelbase. I think it's prettier, It drives better. Two hundred and seventy-five. Mine's a comp spec, so it's got wider, wider arches. Uh, it's got well, it got magnesium wheels, but it's it's running on um, the the spoke wheels at the moment. Took it out to Goodwood. Um, it mingles with the rest of them. So we so we took it for seventy-fifth anniversary of a Ferrari at Goodwood at the revival. Um, with the two hundred and fifty LM, and there's, 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 you know, it's in the right company with amongst all that, and, and the five hundred Mondial and all those. But it's, um, it's a proper car that, yeah. um, and one that, the one that I, if I sell it, then I'm either retiring or uh, I'm, I'm not in a good place. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I I'll, I'll, it's, it's one of those, yeah, it's, a, it's a golden ticket car. And I bought it such a long time ago. It's got so many memories. I tried to buy it twice, actually at Goodwood. It was for sale at the revival. And I missed it twice, and and then the 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 guy who was was uh, was buying the collection and selling it on uh, phoned me up while I was doing my old show on live oh on BBC. Um, I got a text message while we're on air. I shouldn't have done it, but he said <laughs> the car that you've always wanted is for sale. Do you want it? And I had fifteen minutes to decide whether I wanted it. And I said yes. Then spent the next next hour on the show live figuring out how we're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've, I've owned it ever since. But it's it's a magical, magical, magical car. I love, magical.
0: I, love, I do love the idea of you being in a studio, Joe, trying to get your links right, trying to sort all the <laughs> Producers <laughs> talking in your ear, and you're there yeah, going, yeah. Oh, I "Might have to sell the, uh, might have to cancel that conservatory build. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I actually, I actually bought the house, and and uh, I, the money that I had about savings was enough to sort of do the work on the house to live in because the house wasn't habitable. Um, but I, the same week I bought the house, this car came up for sale. So I actually lived in my garage for two years. Then I lived in a motorhome for two years. And that's why I moved the motorhome to Goodwood because when they were knocking the house down, the builders were in waking me up. And I learned to fly. That's how, that's how that wow. sort of passion came along, really. Yeah.
0: See, I, I was about to say, you know, there's the true test of a petrol head there. It's that prioritizing garage space, over oh, yeah, yeah. living accommodation. But then you threw in and then I learned to fly. So it kind of, it was prioritizing
1: the house over, over a car. And yeah. know, the car came first before the house. Yeah,
0: it certainly did. <laughs> Good man, definitely. Now on the, uh, the, another huge Ferrari headline here, 288 GTO. Oh, there's another yep. special car.
1: Yeah, I've had two of them in my life. I bought two together, actually. I, I I bought one, and then two weeks later, I bought the other one. I sold one, um, which I shouldn't have done, probably in hindsight, probably uh, three years ago. Uh, but I kept the other one. Um, amazing car, you know. Um, homologated, 289 or something like that. There are of them, something like that. Um, uh, mega, you know, very special bit of kit. I think looking at it, that's the that's the car that my the toy car that my ground got weak. but yeah of
0: course
1: i think looking at it side by side you know it, it people mistake it for a 308 but you can't you can't mistake it for a 308 it is it is that yeah. um it's it's a nice it's a nice car it's it's you know a great car and i, I think it, well, rightly so it's better than the F40 i've never been an F40 fan um and i don't understand the values of them uh, mm. uh, now currently um but you know the 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 288 is the, the proper tool it's a proper yeah. tool
0: yeah, interesting. Yeah, the F forty prices. I mean, that's it's something I've we found ourselves talking about multiple times on this podcast. Is that they, you know, for for a while they seemed undervalued. Then they seemed to be up about the right value. Then suddenly they're a million pounds. Now they're two million pounds. But in the space of a two, year, two, a, two and a, two and a bit now. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: I mean, it's madness. And anybody that's ever driven one, totally impractical. Yeah. Um. You know, not not a great car unless you're on a track. But even when you're on a track, not the great car. Um, no, I don't. I don't get it. I don't. They're pretty to look at. Don't get me wrong, mm. but that's your poster. Poster when you're a, you know, Athena when you were a kid. But, but, but to own, no, no. Most of them, you, the reason why you never see any on the road is is particularly that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Breaking my heart slightly there, James. It's my dream car, but never mind.
1: Yeah, I, well, least uh, I, I did. I did own. For, I did own one for. I, I owned a, a, an F40 LM for a while, wow. um, but. Yeah, it's it. The, the, it I just could didn't get it. It's no. I, I probably my height, and I think you need to be much smaller in stature and build, and mm. you know, I, I was, I was driving it like this, trying to, you know, it's yeah. not, 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 no, not a great fan.
0: No, I mean, I, I have. Don't worry, you're not the first to kind of shatter the dream slightly because I've been fortunate in these recordings to speak to a few people that have owned them or, or do own them and they all do say the same thing it's you know it's a car that you really have to think about whilst you're driving uh, in fact the best yeah. analogy I I ever heard was it's a bit like riding a motorcycle in the rain you're looking at road surfaces in a very different way to driving any other car if there's a wet manhole cover and you're accelerating you will lose grip on that wheel and it will try to chuck yeah. the car sideways so it's, it's perhaps not the most Enjoyable road driving experience. So I'll, no, I'll, I'll I bank think, all I of think, those.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Save your money and buy something else. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a 288 <laughs> instead.
0: <laughs> uh, do you still own the Ford GT40? Uh
1: yes, yes. Uh, it's just come back from uh service. Uh, it's just had a new starter motor. Um yeah, it's the car that won the Whitson Trophy at Goodwood in 2018. Yeah. I was due to drive it uh not last year, the year before, but COVID and everything else was a bit of a nightmare. Um yeah, if you think driving a an F forty on a road is is hardcore, you ain't seen nothing yet until you drive one of these. These mm. are it's a complete weapon. Um and uh you know I live I live in a little village and apparently you can hear it <laughs> up to ten miles away. Yeah. It's I it's that. absolutely insane. Um but again, you know, boyhood, childhood car, mega, mega bit of kit, but um yeah, it, it wants to be on a track. Um, you know, it wants to be at Spa. It wants to be at its home Le Mans, But driving around the country roads, is fine. But I, I take it out occasionally. I've took it to Carfest this year and Goodwood and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to 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 put it put it out on track and see what it can really do. But it's um, the guy who won the last time out in it, and he won a lot of races as well. It was actually uh, JD Classics old car. Um,
0: okay. Right. Uh, they, yes.
1: they 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 prepared it and ran it. And one thing that Jay did very very well is they prepared they prepared race cars. They they certainly did. You want to go look at what they won and what they did and um, over the period of time that they were around, you know, to see what they what they did with their cars. But um, yeah, Chris Ward drove it at Goodwood. But um, yeah, it's yeah. I've got loads of my mates. Dario Franchitti wants to drive it. Darren Turner wants to drive it. Um, you know, they, they all want to—they all want to take it, take it out in anger, but uh, they've got to join the queue.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> How does it feel, you know, when you've got friends that clearly can drive, they can pedal. Yeah. Is there still an element of oh, I'm handing over something that's actually quite both special to me and really quite valuable? Does that does that play on your mind, or, or are you able to go? No, no, you're all right. You can just no, deal with it. I, no, because I
1: because I know where they live, and I'm bigger <laughs> than they are. So. <laughs> No, if the, if the car doesn't wipe him out of the accident then there's a there's a six foot three yorkshireman that'll do more damage probably um no they, they're pretty they're pretty respectful they they're, they're you know at the end of the day if they're driving at 90 percent of their 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 level they're still in total control and mm. you know still doing 10 times faster than you'll ever do so yeah I, I think I, I think that there's an element of respect there so they're not going at uh full chat you know they they're they 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 say they are, but you know, I know that they've got a lot in reserve. And there's, they've but Listen, racing drivers are a, a talent um, mm. that uh, I've witnessed firsthand. They're amazing, and and you think that's good. You know, John McGuinness. You know, you, that's a that's a different level altogether. And and then you get onto the rally rally drivers. That's a different level. I keep taking the Mick out of the tarmac drivers, saying, <laughs> you know, the, 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 yeah, that, that's one thing. But the TT boys are uh, 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 and girls are, are pretty impressive. Yeah,
0: no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Talk to me a bit about Goodwood, because that's, um, I think that was the first instance that I saw you and recognised you, rather than as a a chef on the telly, that was the first time I kind of identified that, oh, you're into your cars, and I think the first time I ever saw you, you were driving, or you were in the driving seat of a, I think it was an Austin... A ten or something like that, or a thirty-five. You were going out, you were, yeah. but you're about to go out and drive. And I remember I was there with my dad and said, "Oh, just it's, it's James Martin, like cars." Then And I think we had a bit of a chat. So, yeah. how did that little chapter of your life come about? Because I can understand uh, I've, the. I've
1: been to. I've, I've been to. Every, it's only down the road from me. It's, it's forty yeah. miles away. I've been to every single one. Yeah. Um. I, I went to every single one. It's a bit like there's a there's a, a, a there's a car show in Essen every April. Yes. Um, I go to it every April. Um it's where I first where I bought my going going 300 SL it was my first ever classic car. Mm. Um I bought that from I bought that from Essen. Um and uh I have I've enjoyed Goodwood because the camaraderie and and it, you meet people and you you know I met John McGuinness there. John McGuinness you know he loves his food clearly. Um and, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 came up we had a chat and I met Dougie Lampkin and now we're best of mates, you know. It's like you know you meet people 20 odd years ago and you become friends and 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 but two polar opposites in jobs, but the mutual respect for have for each other and it's just a friendship more than anything else. It's just they come and stay here, I go up to John's place and I go up to Dougie's place and it, you know um and you meet through your you through Goodwood really I suppose that's what does it but I've, I've never missed any i've never missed anyone
0: wow yeah it's it, it's a great demonstration is it i mean we we talk about on this podcast multiple times the fact that cars are the catalyst to great friendships and and the fact that we could all be from different walks of life and we might turn up to a car show or a car pub in a Ferrari F40 or we might turn up in a 206 GTI or 205 or something like that. It doesn't matter what you turn up with. The fact that you both love cars, there's that connection and that ability yeah. to just form a friendship that perhaps otherwise might never have happened you know, to two completely yeah, different walks yeah. of life.
1: And cars and bikes as well. I'm, I'm equally fond of motorbikes as well. So it's it's cars and bikes. I was riding motorbikes when I was young, to So I put fifty and an ATV seventy, and that's what started my love affair with anything motors and stuff like that. But it, you know, when you when you know when you see and you see somebody like you know Dougie doing his thing, and you and you see John McGuinness, and I, went, I was quite fortunate to go see him at you know in the Isle of Man, and mm. to see see them do that. That that I mean that's impressive. That's that you cannot. If you've never seen the TT, you have to go see it because your brain doesn't doesn't process what the hell is going on. It's insane, absolutely insane. Yeah,
0: no, you're absolutely right. It's it's one I've not yet uh, been able to experience myself, but as as a rider, it's one that I want to go and see. I want to kind of, I want to have yeah. that moment. You see those brilliant video clips, don't you? Of people that see it for the first time, and as the bikes go past at full chat, the face just kind of takes on this. Wait, well, yeah, I mean
1: you look at you look at F1, you look at MotoGP, you look at that, but there are two things you must go see if you're a petrol head, and that is WRC rally cars at full chat in a forest. And you must go see the TT yeah. because you cannot, you cannot. You have a totally different respect because everybody, you know, the, the F1 drivers get the limelight. Sebastian Loeb, to me, is the greatest driver in the world has ever seen. That's yeah. because because he can do it multiple, multiple uh, skills, multiple places, multiple things. You know, see him on the Pikes Peak is one thing, and and to see them through a rally stage yeah you, you watch the watch the fins and stuff like that driving driving the stuff on the rally stage. it's, it's a different level different yeah. level and i I'm, I'm quite fortunate to got a few rally cars by some famous drivers but to see them you know look at footage on youtube of them driving my car through through the woods that's ah, a different level
0: different yeah. level. and that, that, how does that sit as well when you're watching your your car flying past inches past trees and stuff is that are you, uh, do well, you enjoy that's, it they, they, well, they, I, I do because
1: well, I own the car now. I don't do anything like that, but I I, I take my rally cars down to the pub. That's what I love. I, you know, I've got I've got a couple of um uh of, of quite famous right well, few famous rally car drivers' cars, and um you know the Ford Focus that um that that uh, uh, Colin McRae um, drove um uh, towards the end of his career, but hugely successful, winning races. He won four races in it. But you know, I drive that down to the pub. Brilliant. It's, 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 it looks like something you're going to help us, but I remember driving. I got him, I got him, I got a uh, Solberg in Pretzer. I remember driving it. There was a caravan, local caravan down the road. It's quite funny. There's this little place. And, and, uh, anyway, there was a load of, a load of people gathered up. And there's Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all that kind of stuff. And I arrived in this Solberg in Pretzer. Brilliant. And everybody, everybody sort of kept gathered around it and went, Oh, my mate's got one of them. My mate's got <laughs> one of them. And you know, where, do you, where do you get the livery from it? And I went, And then when you open it up, the, uh, open up the door. You see that there's no key. It's all like a flight simulator inside. Went, yeah. Nothing. are these? It's it's a uh, it's a mental thing. It's it's completely crazy. But it's yeah. I love it. Love Fantastic. it. Fantastic. The
0: Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Ready to pop the question? So I guess we should, we'll, we'll get on to the book in a second as well. There's there's one other that's car okay. on the list that I uh, I want to uh, just bring up because it's another personal favourite of mine. I can see that you're a man right. of great taste when it comes to certain classic cars <laughs> that you own. And, and that's a rather lovely looking... I don't know if the colour has got it quite right in my printout here, but it looks quite kind of swampy green, and it's a Range Rover Classic.
1: Yes, yeah, two-door, yeah, um, yeah again true quite rare over the years um if, if anybody's looking at restoring one don't put it that way <laughs> uh, 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 you're in for a world of pain um and uh, a lot of bills it's um they're they it's a labor of love that car um it's i've had a, a sort of a new turnkey uh, v8 engine it's the new old one uh rubber v8 engine but uh, it's, it's got the original engine with it but not one that i wanted to put back in the car um, but it's, um, yeah, green. With, you could paint it any color, could mustard, but it, it was actually a, a mustard uh, car when it was new. Um, it was a South African car. Mm, so it was right yeah. on drive, right on drive. But the, the above all else, with all Range Rovers, anybody will know, on Land Rovers anyway, is rust. So um, yeah. South Africa, it, well, it hadn't rusted, um, brought it back, galvanized the whole chassis, took it right back. Every single bit of that car uh, was redone. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, it's it works. And yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, I don't use it so much. Uh, really. It's a bit of a contradiction in terms isn't it having something like that. And then a then an electric car um, <laughs> saving the planet and destroying it at the same time. But uh, it's it sits in the garage and you know, I, I kind of take it out. And um, but yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. It's yeah, cool. it's a lovely thing. It's it's funny what you say about it. if you're thinking about restoring one don't. I recently paid a visit. In fact, we we as a production paid a visit to Arconic, the company down in uh, Somerset that rebuilds yeah. the the wonderful Defenders and that's their next thing. They're moving on to Range Rover Classics now. We had a quick look around one of their workshops where they had two, which are their kind of test mule things. And they said exactly the same thing. They said, What well, we didn't realize, unlike the Defenders, there are parts aplenty everywhere you look. There are parts. Oh, yeah. But with the classics, a lot of them, you know, nobody really thought they'd ever become much of a classic. So they either rotted away or they were chopped chopped down in size yeah. to become off-roading vehicles. So you're yeah. into a world of
1: pain. Uh, just the rear windscreen is about 3,000 quid. The oh. rear boots, about two and a half grand. That's if you can find them. Yeah. um you know we had to buy another car to finish this one uh and then funny enough the when i sold the bits of the one that was took took apart um we sold that for more money than i bought it for it which was it was crazy because it took two years to restore i mean the, the guy who restores quite a few of my cars he's he he, he recorded he restored a mustang and uh, and uh i've currently got a uh well it started off with him and then it's moved to somebody else but i've got a um, uh, 1950s alfa romeo atl yeah um and it's quite a, it's quite a rare off He only built nine of these cars uh this atl so everything on it has got to be got to be made but i think the Range Rover finished him off he's currently retired and lives in france it, it, it's, it's killed him off that thing he never <laughs> wants to touch a car again but i think i think he did a delorean before me not for me different for another customer but he only does one car a a, a year, and he, he does all the metal work himself, and the engine work. T- deal, what? Just, just him. Yeah, does all the spraying. He won't allow anybody else to do it. It's absolute perfectionist. But yeah, I think the ranger Rover pushed him over to the edge, and he sold up, and he's retired, and he's done it. Done it now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that is understandable. Um, yeah. So I'd love to know the transition point. You say you were, uh, and I think this is a industry agreed, is that you're a grafter, you, you like to get stuck in. And, and I think, you know, the the success that you've had and the cars that you've been able to buy are all clearly a result of that. Can you remember if there was a turning point? Was there a time... A question that I really like to ask people, and it goes down particularly well with racing drivers that we speak to, is was there a time that you realised that you were quite good at what you do? So I guess as a chef, was there a time that you thought, actually, do you know what, I'm onto something here, I'm good at this, and this could lead to the, the kind of success that's going to enable me to buy that dream 288, for example?
1: Um, I got the opportunity to be head chef of a, well, That I left and, and had a punt on a job, which was myself and a guy called Robin Hudson and Gerard Basse, We left the Shooting Glen. We set up this little business called the Hotel Van back in 1994. I was this young 21-year-old chef uh, with the, the world to prove and uh, the world, you know, out there and, and given the opportunity to be running your own kitchen at that age. It was sink or swim. So, you know, it, that that was the graft element, everything that had worked to till then was that was my moment. It's a bit like a, a footballer. You got the chance now, you're playing for a big team, now is your chance. And 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 I took that chance and 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 ran and ran with it. And it ran with me. And I was at the right time, right place, and, and television came very, very quickly afterwards. But it wasn't until recently. I, I just I did a tour this year, and we're doing one next year. And um uh, you, you walk out in front of 4000 people a night for 20 nights and we ended at the Palladium and i used to walk past the Palladium on my way to work when i was 16 17 year old kid in london and now your name's in lights and the place is packed to the rafters it wasn't until then wow where you realize it where you re- and that's only recently you know that's that's 40 years of the industry but 30 years 35 years professionally doing it in in restaurants and, and and running restaurants and everything else and television, but that was the moment. And you stood on stage and you go, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. That's that. And people have come out to see you, uh, and they're doing that every night for twenty nights. It's a um, Yeah. You you it's your pinch yourself moment. You know you, you know when you're on tour and and no chefs have tried tours and it hasn't worked. And when Live Nation approached me, said look, we, we think this will work. I went, well, look at, you know, Jamie's tried it, Gordon's tried it, it hasn't worked. And we're now on our fourth tour, fourth sellout tour, fifth one next year. It, it, it's, yeah. And there's only me on stage. There's no, there's nobody else. And it's just, it, it's the, it's a real, it's a real, it's a, it's accumulation of everything you've learned. And that's the great thing about, I believe in, in being a chef. It's, it's, it's very much, I was talking to Alan Tishmash the other day. It's like gardening. You get better at it the older you get, unlike mm. any other career. Because you become, you, you become knowledgeable, and knowledge is a powerful thing in our industry. Because you know you're learning, and you become a better chef, you can a better, better organizer, a better person, a better boss, a better, better everything. Really, the older you get, and, um, and you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to still keep doing this.
0: Yeah, and with the TV side of things, when that came along and that opportunity came up, was that something that you thought could you see longevity in that, or did you did you no, always well, think that the the the, the, being a chef was the priority and this was perhaps just something to... it was
1: it was it was always a priority I, I remember that you know cooking for it was Keith Floyd and um uh Lloyd Grossman they came in for for dinner didn't have a table booked usually they just lied and said they got a table they haven't done so we sat them at the bar and I gave them something to eat this woman so gave me a card and said you know this is have you got an agent and I said I don't know an estate agent, but I couldn't afford a house. I lived above a I lived above a Chinese restaurant on sixty quid a week. where rent was. I think uh, I think looking back, you, you look at it and you, everything's about choices in life and risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, I took a big risk in in doing that and 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 going and to try it, see what it's like. But the timing was right. But then the timing was right because I was there and I was only at the hotel van because I'd done eight years in the industry to make me. There at 21 years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can look at various different things. And and sure enough, that, that it was just as TV was starting to that the the food scene on television was going. Um, you know, and I was the I was the young young kid, I suppose, the the this young bandana-wearing kid, and there were shows like Ready, Steady, Cook, and wallop, it went on. And mm. and I had a I had a great mentor, so a lady is now retired, Maria Lawson. She used to work for the BBC, she's now retired. And, and she was the one that sort of pushed me into doing the Saturday show. because I'd never done live shows ever. And, and she said, no, you think you'll be really good at it? Um, and that's when I went back to my old career and, and, well, my career, and and looked back at my little black book of, of, of chefs and mates and said, could you come along and do this show? And we wanted to make it a chef's show. Um, and, and that's where we are now. We're still, still here now, still doing it, and it's still still the same thing, still the same ethos. The, the people that come here, the chefs that come here are all people that I, I have a huge amount of respect for.
0: Yeah, that's great. Do you think there's a good correlation between the pressures of running a kitchen and the pressures of live TV? Do you think the two came hand in hand that made you quite a natural I, at it?
1: I think, I, I think yeah, there's no school for it, certainly. There's no school as in multitasking, um, cooking and talking and interviewing people. Uh, but you learn from people. You learn from great people. And so, so Michael Parkinson, I remember t- chatting to me at a, a book event somewhere uh, we were at, and, and he turned around and said, you're going to do this show, but research is the key. So research everything. Know more about the guests than they know about themselves. If they're going to promote an album, listen to it. If they're going to bring out a, a film, watch it. You know, you, you, Although it's only eight minutes, mm-hmm. you need to pack it full, and they'll be surprised. So I think that's the key to it when the guests come on my show is that you know the amount of research that we do and the amount of team and put we put together to produce that research is is invaluable you know and i'm dyslexic so you know the way you the way you uh take it all in the way you the way you memorize it is very different to to joe blogs um but it's just it suits suits what i do and and um i i just feel that you know probably the saturday morning i tried doing prime time I've tried doing bits and pieces but the Saturday morning is a great benchmark for me it's a great benchmark and, and it's a great learning curve you know I'm learning every day and it's you know over 1400 shows now I think I've done something like that wow. uh on a Saturday sat- on a weekend so you know it's um it's a it's a constant learning curve but you you as long as you go in there every week and you want to learn that's the key to it
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Great bit of advice there. Great bit of advice for me, actually. I'm going to do more research into my guests before I talk to them. Although, <laughs> although like, I'm going to hold up a pile of notes. I have got lots of notes. <laughs> Thanks right. to lovely producer Amber's helped me arrange all of that. Now, one other last medium that we should talk about before we let you go is, of course, uh, other than the telly side of things, it's the book. I'm holding up a physical copy of your book here. Potato. I've yeah. also in, in our production office, we've also got butter as well. Is this a <laughs> is this a side of life that you enjoy putting uh, books well, together? Well,
1: well, well, it's a different medium, isn't it? Really, and mm. and for somebody who's dyslexic, and you know, writing your first book is like bringing out. I remember talking to J.K. about it about his album. You're bringing out the first one is it's not an easy thing because you've you, it's accumulation of everything. The second one's the difficult one, and the third one, the fourth one. So to still be doing it, this is my thirty-fourth book now in thirty odd years of doing it. Wow. Um, but you've got to you've got to freshen it up. You've got to varietize it. But you've also got to not sounds daft, but a trend nowadays is something that's done on social media. It's something that just happened. Mm. Uh, you can't speculate on a trend. Then you get a lot of people jumping onto the trend. It, trend has never been my sort of thing. I've never really set trends, uh, but I've never really been bothered about food trends. You know, So I've always sort of stuck to what I believe is right and what I believe in myself in terms of the food. So I've always stuck buttering stuff, and that's the reason why the butter, because but, butter tastes better than margarine. It's better for you than margarine. Yep potatoes I bought spud you like with Ronnie Bartlett we bought it about um about two and a half years ago he bought it and then asked me to be involved in it so I learned so much about potatoes in in lockdown and two and a half years of sort of research putting that in there the next one will be something completely different and I, I like to do that rather than oh just because we're we're, we're doing a, a thing on uh, on on uh, low carbs this everybody else to us is a book and and, and it discuss it's got to be cooked in five minutes everybody else is bringing out a five minute cookbook I, i'm not i'm not you know i'm not have never been interested in that i've just mm. stuck to what i believe in and you know and, and we do an awful lot of work i've got a great team around me as well so you know the books the books are a lot of work but they are a lot of work shared with an amazing team that that are a part of it
0: yeah no that's that's great um one last question before we wrap up then. You mentioned that your career ultimately started at the age of 10 and you started grafting at that age. If you could have the opportunity to go back, magical time machine that goes back and you can tap little 10-year-old James on the shoulder and give one piece of core advice about his future, what would that be and would would anything change, do you think?
1: Stop eating bread and butter as much because then you might have been a racing driver. <laughs> 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 with, but with my that. ass with my ass is way too fit, big to fit in fit in a car that Darren Turner's been involved in. It's just that I'm half the size. he's half the size of me. But yeah. Darren is so, a small
0: man, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Stop stop eating and you might have been successful at driving, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but hey look, the, the chef thing that's it's gone all right, isn't it? Let's be honest. I, I'm happy with it. I'm yeah. happy with it.
1: I'm happy with it. I'm doing all right. It's it's uh, touch wood. It's uh it's difficult in in hospitality at the moment. It's going to be increasingly difficult. Yeah. Certainly as the years progress. But it's um it's one of those things where you you hold on, um and we'll get through it together as a team because uh, the, the, you know to look at the restaurants and doing what we're doing, it's now a team effort and you know the the team are invaluable. It's a bit like a bit like the analogy of racing. You know. The, the guy sat in the car is one thing. Verstappen is one thing, but without the team behind you, you're sat there and you're going nowhere. Yeah. Um, so it's it's the same thing same thing been a chef, you have to have that team around you. so it's all about holding on to that team now and and, and building them up and then pushing
0: forward. Fantastic yeah what a great outlook well James thank you so much I'm fairly confident we we do make a habit of wandering around the Goodwood events so we'll be at the members meeting Festival of Speed and Revival we'll often do a roaming podcast which has become quite a popular thing we're doing a big activation with Goodwood this year so hopefully we'll we'll Well, cross paths. when
1: When you're there come up to the dirty bit which is the top of the hill that's where I'm usually found in the rally stage I don't do all that Pristine, where everybody's walking around with ties and stuff like that, and particularly at the festival <laughs> scene. Get away from that sort of tarmac and get up to the proper bit, the rally bit. I'll right. see you with all that. We're all caked in dust and stuff like that, but yeah, I'll, I'll see you up
0: there. I will see you there, James. Yeah, look forward to that. Right. That'd be fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, look to see you soon. Pleasure. Cheers. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. There we go. That was it. I'm going to make a confession here and say that before talking to James, I wasn't entirely sure how much of him as a character I'd I kind of relate with. But having had that conversation, I've really been converted. James is a great guy, clearly somebody that has grafted his whole life. He's worked very hard for everything that he's been able to achieve and comes across as just just a genuine guy, which is really, really fantastic, quite a refreshing thing to see in the modern age. If you want to get James's book, it is called Potato, which I think is a p- particularly fantastic name for a book. Uh, you can't really miss it because on the front cover is him and loads of potatoes. So easy to spot. Uh, but do have a look out for that. If you're feeling particularly generous, go and have a look in your preferred bookstore uh, for that. If perhaps if you're a bit of a chef, you'd like to have a cook from time to time like I do, then there you go. Perfect gift for yourself or somebody else. For now, I will wrap up. I'll say thank you so much for listening. If this is your first podcast with us, uh, then it's worth noting that we have more than 130 previous episodes with conversations very similar to the one that you've just heard. We speak to a different guest from the automotive world every single week, everyone from car designers to racing drivers to chefs and everything in between. So if you've enjoyed this, do have a look at the back catalogue. I'm sure there will be at least two or three other conversations that you may enjoy listening to hosted by myself or one of my colleagues. For now, I'll say thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can see everything that we do at drivenchat.com. Head on over to the website to see written articles, photos, the entire back catalogue of podcasts, and of course, our video archive as well, uh, which you can also see on our YouTube channel. Head over to YouTube and search for Driven Chat, and you will see lots of videos of me and the team driving around in lovely cars, doing all sorts of silly things. Lots of new stuff to see there. So go and enjoy, go and indulge, and I look forward to bringing you another episode in about seven days' time. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince
1: only works with factories that use safe and ethical
0: manufacturing practices.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The